good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Couldn't cut, any cut again. Because all the hippies were trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victor. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. Hey, Kadagi, to all my friends and relatives in four directions, you are listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. We discuss local and national Native news and events, and as you know, Native issues are human issues, and human issues are Native issues. And this portion of Native Ritz Radio is brought to you in partnership with uh, MN350, a grassroots organization fighting for climate justice. Hey, you know, we, uh, we every couple of weeks we get a report from our lieutenant governor, uh, Peggy Flanagan, and she's a white, ner- white Earth Nation, uh, 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 help me with the word here, White, white Earth Nation. Uh, member? She's a member of you. the White Earth Nation yeah. in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, here in Minnesota, and she's the first Native American uh, to hold statewide uh, office. So why don't we... Uh, Take a quick listen to her special report, and, uh, and then we'll start up the show with the news, and we'll be right back. So let's listen to the Lieutenant Governor. Buju, this is Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan, and I'm joining Native Roots Radio with an update from the Walls Flanagan administration. We just finished rolling out our one Minnesota budget proposal for this legislative biennium. And let me tell you, this is the budget I've been working towards my entire life. Budgets aren't just fiscal documents, they're moral documents. These are the pages where we make it clear what we value and what we invest in. I'll dig in more on specific proposals and investments in the coming weeks, but I wanted to just start here with an overview. First, we rolled out our package focused on making Minnesota the best state in the country for kids. As many of you know, uh, growing up, my mom and I relied on public programs like SNAP, which back in the day we called food stamps, and relied on the child care assistance program so that my mom could have a safe place to bring me while she went back to school and, and got a better paying job. And I, frankly, had housing because of a Section 8 housing voucher, and I am alive today because as a kid with asthma, Medicaid was a necessary tool for me to get my medications and really just to stay alive. So I am where I am today, Lieutenant Governor of Minnesota, because of those programs, not despite them. And we are committed to helping families like mine and like so many of yours thrive with proposals like a child tax credit that helps parents afford essentials such as paying bills, school expenses, a new pair of shoes, child care costs. Um, our proposal offers $1,000 per child up to $3,000 for low-income families and is expected to decrease child poverty in this state by 25% by that policy alone. Expanding access to quality, affordable child care by investing in a mixed delivery system that creates and sustains child care slots where they're needed most, including in greater Minnesota. Funding for universal free meals for all students at schools so that every child can learn with a full belly, without stigma, and without question. And if you were a kid with a different colored lunch ticket like I was, this program will make a tremendous difference. We're going to feed our kids and it's going to be a really good thing. Partnering with tribes in the urban Native community to strengthen and preserve Native families and so much more. Next, we rolled out our budget package focused on investing in Minnesota's economic and climate future. As a mom of a now 10-year-old daughter, I want my child and every Minnesota child to be able to enjoy the things that make Minnesota, Minnesota, like our clean air and water, our fertile, farmable land, our robust and valued workforce, and our vibrant small business economy and community. That's why we propose meaningful investments in providing paid family and medical leave and earn sick and safe time to make sure that no one needs to choose between their health, their family, or their jobs. Connecting high need workforce sectors with workers and new and growing population of workers with training and family sustaining wages and jobs. 
and investing in the clean energy workforce, electric vehicle infrastructure, rehabilitating, rehabilitating our land and water and air quality and building homes and communities that are climate resilient. That's how we build a bright future for ourselves, for our kids and for our entire state. Thirdly, we rolled out our budget package focused on protecting the health and safety of Minnesotans. Everyone deserves to be safe and protected and valued in their community, no matter who they are or where they live. That's why we proposed $1.5 billion towards a housing stability package to assist our relatives experiencing homelessness, renters, and aspiring first-time homeowners, establishing a Minnesota Care public buy-in option so that folks can access health care, and $300 million to local governments to address their unique public safety needs. And finally, we rolled out our entire budget proposal last Tuesday, and here's just a few highlights. Our direct proposal sends a one-time payment of up to $2,600 directly to Minnesota households. And that matters. These direct cash assistance, right? These direct checks empower families to decide what they need most to make ends meet. So this could be paying first and last month's rent to get into housing, fixing a car, paying off a credit card debt, making sure that your children have new shoes that fit, which is something that I understand. And finally, we believe it's time it is past time to safely legalize adult use cannabis. Prohibition doesn't work. And legalizing adult use cannabis is about our economic future, expanding our economy and creating jobs across the state. It's also about health, allowing us to regulate the industry um, and to ensure that products are safe and educating the public about the facts of cannabis use. And it's about public safety, allowing law enforcement to focus on violent crime and expunging the records of people who are convicted of nonviolent offenses involving cannabis to give them a second chance. I know that's a long list, and there's even more that we'll be discussing in the coming weeks and months, but as just a sneak peek, I wanted to also name that our One Minnesota budget does a lot to support tribal nations and tribal communities. In fact, altogether, the budget recommends over $7 billion in proposals and investments that advance shared state and tribal priorities, and I cannot wait to share more of those with you here in the coming weeks. There's a lot of good stuff in this budget, and I'll, I'm really excited about it, and I hope that, that you are too. We can reduce child poverty, we can invest in each other and in our future, and we can make sure that everyone has an opportunity in this state. In many ways, this budget is why the governor and I decided to run in the first place, and now we can do it, but we're also going to need your help. This session is the session to let your local legislator know how you feel about these investments and to let them know why our community is deserving of these investments too. So we can do things for short and short term for our families and for our children, and then build for the long term to ensure that future generations of our children have every opportunity in Minnesota, Makoche, Chimigwich, Pina Gigi, and back to you. Wow, thanks, uh, Lieutenant Governor. What a great uh, update there, Ogama. I really like the part about sponging, or is that the right word? I couldn't think of members. I couldn't think of members, so uh, sponging uh, the cannabis people uh, that are uh, low-end crimes that have to do with marijuana. That sounds really exciting, and that's the right direction. Absolutely. I 100% agree with you. And, you know, we do know that prohibition of those things doesn't work. And there's, uh, you know, some safe ways for that to be legalized. And I'm excited for that as well. There's, I think it's been long overdue um, here in Minnesota. But, you know, what really excites me is I'm a parent. I've got two girls. And, you know, a lot of this is reminiscent of things that I was told about Minnesota when I was a kid. I was told it was a great place to have children. And we were doing really well in the education sector and those kinds of things. And it's good to hear that we're going to be coming back around to that. Well, and it's great. Uh, we have the privilege to have the lieutenant governor stop in every couple weeks to give us an update. I feel really honored and blessed. And um, we got a jam-packed show, Ogama. You're going to do the news here in the second. Uh, and then we got some uh, rock star guests here talking about uh, water is life, as always, uh, what we do here. And uh, 
Native Roots Radio. So, hey, we're going to do the news next, and we'll be right back after this short break. Uh, you're listening to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake. Stay with us. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Take care of your community by joining Metro Transit's Adopt-A-Stop program. Show your community pride by adopting a transit stop. Join us in helping keep the stop and your neighborhood beautiful and report any maintenance needs to us. We'll put a sign at the stop recognizing your efforts, plus you'll get 10 free rides every month. Get details at metrotransit.org slash adopt. Again, adopt a stop for Metro Transit. COVID-19 is still here. It's not too late to get your booster. Staying up to date with vaccines can help you protect yourself from getting seriously ill from COVID-19. Get your booster at the 360 Colburn Clinic, operated by St. Paul Ramsey County Public Health, for a chance to win one of five $500 Visa gift cards. Each week in January, a winner will be selected from eligible persons age 5 and up who got their COVID-19 booster. To learn more and schedule your appointment, visit ramseycounty.us slash booster. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. You're listening to Native Roots Radio. This is Spirit from Reservation Dogs. Get up and listen. Welcome back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake and this is Robert Pilot. Hey, this portion of the show is brought to you by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Hey, a big sponsor of us for over the years. And boy, we, respo- we support them, Ogama, and they're, they're the uh, leaders, I want to say, one of the leaders of the February 14th March uh, MMIW. That uh, There's a lot of groups that come in, but they're uh, one of the big, big leaders, Ogama. Yeah, I think they're like the hosting group, too. They're the ones that kind of um, organize and uh, do the permitting and all of that stuff for the MMIW March on Red Dress Day, February 14th every year. Um, And we're really excited to have them continue to be, um, you know, an ongoing sponsor for us and to um, to be available to uh, kind of uplift that that's happening in person again this year. That is so exciting to have that back after. Was it two years off, Robert? Wow. Yeah. I think it was three, but yeah, um, because they didn't have it last year either. Um, yeah, oh, that's right. I, it's a blur to me, and also you can tell my vocabulary is not working, so thanks for jumping in and explaining what uh, <laughs> the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition uh, does with that uh, parade. Um, and it's a, it's kind of hard to say that it's a parade, but it is it is a gathering, and there's speeches beforehand, and um and there's some really heavy duty stuff with people that are still lis- missing uh, their relatives, and um, there's signs with uh, faces and names that uh, are still missing out there, and it's it's an epidemic. And since the beginning of the year, I, I read Ogama that uh, in South Dakota, there's a three, 30 natives already that are missing. Um, yeah, I I would year. believe it. Unfortunately, that's as a native person, as a native woman, that's not unbelievable. Um, it's absolutely um, not something that um, is stomachable, but unfortunately, right. that is where we're at in um, the MMIW. Um, here in Minnesota, we've been privileged that um, we've had our legislators take the time, legislators take the time uh, to create an office of missing and murdered indigenous people, uh, women especially, but um, 
you know, a big reason that we have some of those problems are these huge extractive industry projects, like the one that came through Minnesota in uh, 2020 and 2021, the Line 3 mm -hmm. construction project uh, done by Enbridge. And tonight we have a couple of people from Wadukawad Amikwag, those who help Beaver, uh, joining us to talk about some of those damages that we're seeing here in northern Minnesota. Um, mm -hmm. We have Jamie Gaither, who is an ally water protector with Wadukawad Amikwag. And we also have uh, Victoria Megizikwe McMillan. It looks like Victoria's uh, screen is loading right now. The um, sometimes uh, our guests always have a little, sometimes have a little bit of internet stuff. But um, welcome to you both uh, from Wadukawad Amikwag and uh, Jamie. If you want to go ahead and uh, give everybody your introduction. Oh, she's oh. got sign language going on. Uh, you're on mute, and I, I got to get my coffee cup that uh, Ogma gifted me a long time ago. You're still on mute. You're still on mute. She's, um, oh, I can't read her. Can't read her lips there. Uh, <laughs> there's a mute button down at the bottom. It looks like a little microphone in the white box. Is it uh, unmuting for you if you click there? Oh, Victoria, maybe you want to start uh, with your introduction. Can you hear us all right over there? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes, yeah. we can. Hi, welcome. And see ya. Oh, yeah. Geez, I've never been on the radio before, so thanks for having me. Um is a citizen science group of volunteer um, citizens of Minnesota that just get together and we talk on Zoom once a week. And we have drone operators, um, we have uh, geologists and hydrologists and other scientists with us and indigenous knowledge keepers, um, band members, and we all just work together to monitor the Line 3 project. So we've been doing that for quite some time now. Um, Jamie would have better dates. I've only been with the group for about the last six months. But in that time, I've seen a lot of drone data. That's really just really concerning because from the reporting we're getting in the public, you know, we're not getting much other than a few aquifer breaches when really there's been a lot of unexplained disruptions that our infrared drones are picking up on and we're only a small group of non-funded citizen scientists you know we're only going out there when we can so we only get to a few sites and we only get to monitor so much but if we had help and we like we've been asking the state and federal agencies for help we've been showing them the data and asking them for more help and in relation to what we've been doing in monitoring so that we can get a better idea of what's actually happening in Minnesota. With the aquifer breaches, we're losing lots of underground water every year. I mean, every every day. Right. Um, Jamie has the statistics on that. Jamie, are you able to, uh, uh, can, can you speak and say something? Yeah, yeah, I hope so. Hey, there you are. We got you now. Hey, welcome, Jamie. And uh, boy, we're talking about, uh, you know, citizen uh, detectives here. And uh, we should probably talk in a, a way to support you. Uh, this is, you know, I know we had a lot of reports in the beginning when this was still being worked on, meaning line three of all these uh, uh, punctures and things that were shooting up and and it's crazy. So uh, go ahead and introduce yourself and welcome. Oh, miigwech. Uh, Jamie Gaither, Indigenous Cause, um, and I introduce myself in the language of the people of this land because. I have found that it has helped me to more fully understand the culture and the people of this land and, and Mother Earth herself. And I really am appreciative of the inclusivity that I've found in the Anishinaabeg um, and just really grateful to be a welcome part of the language learning community. So what I said in Ojibwe was, 
My name is Jamie Gaither. I am a settler colonizer. I come from the Midwest and I live now in the middle of the forest near White Earth Reservation and Upper Rice Lake. And my husband and I are abutters to the Line 393 pipeline here in Clearwater County. So yeah, I'm, there's been so much that we've seen over this little over a year that this group has been together looking at these disturbances. And we're very grateful to our partners um, White Earth Nation, White Earth Reservation, uh, Rise Coalition, Honor the Earth, MN350, and Sierra Club, all were a part of providing a thermal flyover in November of last year that has found these dozens of upwellings all along the corridor. And now our team is basically just trying to go out there and document what's happening so that we can make sure Enbridge is accountable to fix the land. There are places where we don't believe that they can really fix the land. And we're glad to talk to you in specifics about a couple of the places here nearby where I live that we've been watching really closely. Yeah, uh, I would love to get into that. And we, we have uh, plenty of time uh, with you too. And we really appreciate uh, you guys coming on this last minute here. Uh, and one of the things, am I able to, or any of our listeners all over Wisconsin, we're, we're on civic media, we're in the Twin Cities, and of course online, and you know Facebook, YouTube, and Spotify, and uh, iHeartRadio, and all those, all those other platforms. Is there a place where I could go, a uh, website to see these uh, videos or see these maps? Yeah, so so we are getting ready. We are seconds away from issuing a web a website for everybody to be <laughs> able to access a lot more information. Right now, the best place to go is our YouTube channel. We have lots of video there. Um, I have some video. I, I there are playlists. Um, there there's a lot of Honor the Earth and um, IEN and Rise and uh, all kind Mukwa Initiative. All kinds of video on our playlists. So don't forget to check out our playlists. They're specific to aquifer breaches, frack outs, and just rights of nature and etc. So you can find exactly what you're looking for. And we have breakouts from in November. We did the webinar and we had almost 200 people there wanting to know about what we were finding. And then in an evening Q&A, we had 100 people. So this is definitely something that is on the public's radar. We are hearing all the time from people who want to know more. And so our, our website will be issuing soon. And we're hopeful that by Valentine's Day, we can give you that, that sweet gift of having a lot more places where you can see maps, details of the, the geology, details of these specific places that we're seeing damaged. And, and the damages are continuing. Um, you know, Walker Brook has been a big site of interest up here for some time. And it looks like they may be finishing their fix. I do not know whether this fix that they've put in place is going to work, but um, they look like they're starting to clear out and we're seeing less water pumping from the Red River of the North watershed up to the Mississippi watershed over that Laurentian Divide. So we can talk a lot more about that in the next sections. I'm really excited to be here with you guys and hoping to hear more from Victoria. Yeah, definitely. And we are too. Uh, thank you too, both so much for coming on because this is stuff that you know, with the, our 30-second uh, attention span, people forget about, and, and we haven't, and I'm glad you guys are doing the work that you're doing. So we're excited to hear some more stuff. Hey, this is Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake, and we're going to be right back after this short break. Please stay with us. ho -wah. Do yourself a favor and check out the amazing cuisine of EatLocalMinnesota.com. More than just a website, EatLocalMinnesota.com provides you with the best local and independently owned restaurants in the Twin Cities. Specializing in Szechuan and Peking cuisine, the Great Wall Chinese Restaurant has been a local favorite since 1981. They offer one of the most extensive menus in the Twin Cities. Favorites include the sesame chicken, imperial beef, and Peking duck. The Great Wall Restaurant is located off 45th and France with takeout available too. More at greatwallrestaurant.us. The next time you're out in South Minneapolis, make Nightingale off 26th and Lindale your go-to dining option. It's a comfortable neighborhood restaurant that features a delicious menu of American classics, plus a wide drink and cocktail selection. Nightingale has dining room and bar seating available, plus takeout and delivery. Current hours are 5 p.m. to 1 a.m. daily with the full menu until midnight. More at NightingaleMPLS.com. 
Hi, this is Laura, and I want to tell you about my family's favorite thing. It's our wood stove. We bought it about 14 years ago from Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces. And see, the wood stove has actually paid for itself because we can keep the main area that we live in toasty warm with this great moist heat. But more important than saving money, it has actually improved our lives. Having a fire simplifies life. It provides comfort. It sort of takes the chill out of winter. I'm Peter Solak. In 1977, I started Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces, and I experienced the simple joy of warming myself by a fire. I also realized that the place and the way we embrace fire has evolved in a diversity of forms and styles. So at Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces, we have brought together the widest selection of our fireplace products and technical knowledge in the Twin Cities. Our mission is to use our knowledge to help you choose the design and function that is right for you and your home. Visit Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces today and find the right fire for you. This is Santita Jackson. Monday through Friday, 6 to 8 a.m. Central, we'll bring you the best progressive talkers, thinkers, and doers on AM 950, Minnesota's progressive voice. The new year is here, and it's time to take advantage of Zero Res's best deal of the year. Carpets, tile, rugs, upholstery, basically every surface in your home can be Zero Resified, so it's time to call the cleaning pros at Zero Res, and don't forget your air ducts to help alleviate allergies or asthma, and it's also important to enjoy less dust, lower energy bills, and your home will stay cleaner longer. Zero Res is here to protect your biggest investment, your home. Why pay someone to clean your carpet if they're going to leave things behind that are going to make it dirty again quickly? Zero Res is the longest lasting and best clean. Schedule your appointment at ZeroResMinnesota.com or call 952-ZERO-RES and don't forget to ask for the AM 950 special. Book now through January 31st and get 23% off all services. Call 952-ZERO-RES or go to ZeroResMinnesota.com today to book your appointment. We at AM950 wanted to offer more thank you gifts for the great listeners who have become members. Brand new for 2023, AM950 has the new National Parks poster featuring photos I took at the National Parks. Members who sign up for a one-time $99.50 membership or a recurring $25 per month membership will receive the brand new AM950 National Parks poster and the AM950 2023 calendar as a thank you. Go to am950radio.com, click on the tab, and become a member now. Thank you so much for supporting AM950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. With a look at your AM950 weather, I'm Patrick Lilia. Cloudy tonight with a low of 4 above, but winds gusting up to 25 miles per hour. Then on Saturday, cloudy with a high of 12. Hazel's Northeast offers the most creative comfort food you'll find for any meal of the day. Hazel's is located at 29th and Johnson in Minneapolis, minutes from 35W. More at hazelsne2go.com. This is Winona LaDuke of Honor the Earth, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. I'm awake. Welcome back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. Hey, this portion of the show is brought to you by Minsure. If you're looking for affordable health insurance, go over to Minsure at mnsure.org and apply. Figure out uh, what you can get, and uh, there's free experts to help you there as well. So mnsure.org. Yes, definitely uh, check it out if you need it. That's there for you, and, and it's great. Uh, well, let's let's get back into the show, Jamie uh, and Victoria. Some really great information, and I, I think it's so important. Uh, I want to go to you, Victoria. It's so important the work that you guys are doing um, because, again, what I said earlier, it's like we have an attention span of 30 seconds. The news cycles are over in a minute and we, we, you guys up there are still living with this and we're all still living with this because, go ahead, Ogama. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify that after the break too, we're back with uh, Jamie Gaither and uh, Victoria McMillan, McGeezyque, and they're with Wadukawad Amikwag, uh, which is those who help beaver. And they are citizen scientists who have been monitoring the ecological damage following the uh, Line 3 construction here in northern Minnesota. Thanks, Ogum. I was just so excited to get back to him. I appreciate that. <laughs> but uh, Victoria, I, I just want to give you a quick shout out too. Uh, it's just um work that needs to be done and um i, I thank you so much oh me which you know it is it's important work it's in, it's work that sustains the next seven generations of all life 
And that's what we're here to do as Anishinaabe people. So I don't, I don't take any of this work lightly at all. You know, it's some of my kids were born on the pipeline, you know, so we're directly affected from it. We've been, my kids were born into having to fight it, you know, and it's not even that we wanted to fight anything. We just wanted to live. This pipeline, we, it came through our lives. We didn't, you know, want to fight anything. So, you know, but way back then when my family was going through all that, we just prayed for a group like this to happen. And then 10 years later, here we are. And I mean, a new pipe has come through since then even. And here's this group that's coming together to test the water and to do all these things that no one would do for us back then. And I'm just really grateful for them as well, because they do a lot of the work. They get out there, they come all the way up from the cities or wherever they are to help do the water testing. They get the water testing to the labs. They make sure that they're doing all the observation reporting that is necessary. Um, they just do everything that they can. We all pitched in Rise Coalition Honor the Earth, um, White Earth Reservation to do an initial flyover. So we, they did an infrared flyover the entire pipeline, end to end. And ever since then, we've had our own infrared drones out there monitoring what's been happening since then. So we don't just have initial data, we have follow-up data and we've been sharing it widely and trying to get some inspiration from the state and the federal government to be stewards to our lands, to make sure that our kids get to wild rice. This year was the hardest year ever to find wild rice. Fond du Lac has more monitors out there. And we went to Michigan, some of our people from Rise Coalition went to Michigan to tell them about, you know, they're trying to do line five over there. We try to tell them of all the stuff we've seen with Wadukawadamikwag's data gathering. And they were talking about Fond du Lac tribal monitors. And we're just so surprised to hear our people being used all over the place when our reservation isn't even, we don't even know about all the other disturbances on Fond du Lac. They're only talking about one aquifer breach when the drone data shows four different disturbances that have not been confirmed or denied to be aquifer breaches or not. Yet Mud Lake didn't have any rice on it this year. Mm. And it's always had been a really good lake for us. And mm -hmm. it's really a struggle to find rice. And that's what sustained us. That's our treaty right. We need to be able to teach our kids to rice. Yeah. And that's all been disrupted. Wow, Victoria, um, thank you for that. That's um, that was heartfelt for me, um, Jamie. You uh, were right next to, or above, or close to the digging of the pipeline, and where you lived. Am I correct? Yeah, so we're abutters to the pipeline. It's um, maybe a football field to the east of us. We can see it when we go out in the yard. You can see the erosion barrier back there still a year and a half after the pipeline was done. And we still have erosion barrier throughout the land here, like little black snakes running through the snow and, you know, prohibiting the animals from getting where they need to go. Um, you, it's really disturbing to me, I think, to see these overhead videos of drone footage where you can see long, long, long stretches of erosion barrier tunnels. And you can see someone in there trying walking, 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 can't get out either side, just has to keep walking forever. This particular shot right here is what they've been doing down in Walker Brook. Um, Walker Brook is one of the um, breach sites that's not been disclosed. And it's not a an aquifer breach like the ones at uh, Clearbrook and LaSalle and Fond du Lac, it, because what's happened here is we have a, Walker Brook is a part of a deep, deep glacial lake. And so as the glaciers were receding, they would melt all these big, huge pores of water and then ice would plug up. They would dump all of these um, rocks and gravel and clay and everything. And when they dropped enough uh, clay into the gland, they would get these 
like confining layers that basically would pressurize because they weren't permeable. They would pressurize the layers below. And that's how we have these confined aquifers. But in a peatland, you get over millennia, like thousands and thousands of years. This peat bog in Walker Brook took 12, 13,000 years to make and Enbridge cut through it in the space of, I don't know, a couple of weeks maybe. But in an afternoon, you can cut through a peat bog and just destroy it because all of that infrastructure that's holding everything together is now gone. And so what Enbridge has now is their pipeline, their tar sands pipeline floating in the bog in the peat bog. And this floating is problematic because at either end of the valley, the pipe is secure in the land, very secure. So if you have this pipe in the middle and it's floating up and down, what ends up happening is at these points at the edge, you get fatigue where the the material is starting to wear. And you guys can do this with a paper click. If you bend it enough times, boop, it breaks. Same thing with a pipeline. It's all metal, all you know, materials act like this. And so these stresses are what we've been concerned about. So what Enbridge did is they dug out portions of the peat bog and then they layered in sand. And I think they're hoping to create some kind of drainage that allows their pipe to not be floating in the bog. I, I'm not sure. It, it seems like they're doing a big experiment. And that kind of seems like what they've done all along. The, the Clearbrook Aquifer, which burst in January 2021, they said they stopped the leaking like three days before it became a year old. And then in October, when the enforcement actions come out, they say, oh, well, actually, it's still leaking. Even though we put two acre feet of grout in the land, it's still leaking. And same thing at LaSalle. You know, one of the big things that Wadukawad did in 2022 was in, in August, right? Ironically, when the LaSalle breach was becoming a year old itself, we said, look, this is still a big problem. Where is the state? Where Where's anything happening with this? And you know, we're continuing to not get information from the state. Um, and then this Walker Brook just, it wasn't even reported at all. Even when they talked about the, um, in October, when they talked about the criminal charges being addressed for the Clearbrook situation, because Enbridge wasn't forthright, did not tell the DNR that there was a problem. Um, they found it in a lunch meeting by, by accidental conversation with an environmental monitor. I mean, this is the kind of operator we're dealing with, someone who's not being forthright. And to be honest, what we're seeing now as we talk more and more with the agencies is they're very surprised by some of the things that we're showing them. The state doesn't huh. have the capacity to do this work. So yeah. they're surprised by the data that we show them. Wow. And uh, what, uh, you know, whenever we have guests on, you know, we always want to talk about a solution Uh Jamie, and what can people listening to, you know, uh, not so much a solution, but a call to action, I guess, what can uh, our listeners do? Um, is it enough to write the governor? Is it the DNR? Or are we just going to put this stuff out and blast until everybody sees it? What 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 is our strategy? Yeah, so Wadukawad has committed to continuing to inform the public, continuing to be open with our information. We want to share first with the tribes and make sure the tribes are aware of what's happening. We've written letters to the chairman of Red Lake and White Earth and um, made sure that they understand we're open to working with them and making sure that they're fully informed about what's happening. We've also reached out to the county here in Clearwater County. We did a present, I did a presentation to the board of commissioners explaining the situation that we had here on our hands. I'm very concerned about what the first responders are going to be able to do if there's a, an issue. And I got really concerned when I started calling about this particular issue in Walker Brook and no one in the county seemed to know anything about it. Everyone just trusts that the DNR is doing what they're doing and, you know, PCA and all these other agencies are taking care of things. But the fact is, we don't have the pipeline experts. We don't have the time and the information because we're not getting it from Enbridge for one. And this is why we feel that our work is so critical because we can give the state information that they don't have access to. It would be great if they would, you know, have these things, if our tax dollars were supporting this, you know, that would be great. Yeah. But instead it's individual citizens like us and, you know, folks like Rise Coalition who've been supporting us and people like Jeff Broberg and Minwoo who's been helping us get some of the work done that we need to get done. Yeah. Hey, I, I, we got like a minute left. Uh, uh, Victoria, what what do you have to say? Uh, give us a, a little one minute, a little speech there um, and a call to action. What do you think people should be doing? 
There's a call to action. Well, right now, Minnesota, you know, we just reelected Waltz and Flanagan. So they were already on a big push for boards and commissions in the state of Minnesota to get more people of color on those commissions. So making sure that you're um, supporting each other in your communities to be a voice and to share your voices with those people that are going to those boards and commission meetings. Um, making, doing whatever you can to talk to your local um, county and state officials um, and your tribal officials. Just talk to them about the concerns that we're having and ask that more funding be brought to regulatory agencies. By being on a board or a commission with the state of Minnesota, you can help create policy and laws and really mind the gaps that are, we're finding in what's happening. Because everybody's pointing the finger in another direction of we don't have this, we only permit this, we don't regulate that. And it all, all this needs to get like sewn together like a quilt instead of being a bunch of pieces thrown on a table. We really wow. need to take care yeah. of that. No, we dig it. And we want to get you guys on again. This is uh, like a full show worth of stuff. We really appreciate you, Jamie and Victoria, coming on, and we got to reach out again uh, real soon because this is important work. Thank you so much. This is Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm Wake, and we'll be right back after this short break. Please stay with us. Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States, and 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's live and let howl. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Take care of your community by joining Metro Transit's Adopt-A-Stop program. Show your community pride by adopting a transit stop. Join us in helping keep the stop and your neighborhood beautiful and report any maintenance needs to us. We'll put a sign at the stop recognizing your efforts. Plus, you'll get 10 free rides every month. Get details at metrotransit.org slash adopt. Again, adopt a stop for Metro Transit. COVID-19 is still here. It's not too late to get your booster. Staying up to date with vaccines can help you protect yourself from getting seriously ill from COVID-19. Get your booster at the 360 Colburn Clinic, operated by St. Paul Ramsey County Public Health, for a chance to win one of five $500 Visa gift cards. Each week in January, a winner will be selected from eligible persons age 5 and up who got their COVID-19 booster. To learn more and schedule your appointment, visit ramseycounty.us slash booster. This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves. Please join Howling for Wolves on Wolf Day, Tuesday, February 7th, 2023 at the Minnesota State Capitol. You can sign up on Howling for Wolves event page. Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Welcome back to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm awake and this is Robert Pilot. Hey, one more time, everybody. This portion of the show is brought to you by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Oh, Ooh. that sounded too uh, realistic, uh, Ogama. Um, I know you're a busy person and uh, you go you go through a lot of howling, so uh, that sounded too realistic, but I uh, appreciate that. Hey, uh, wow, uh, great guest, uh, um, Ogama. Really, really, um, we need more updates like that just because, uh, like I was saying, it's like 
you know, 30 seconds worth of uh, a news and then it's back on to something else and something else. But that's a good segue. I wonder if you can end the show a little bit here with a, a little uh, news that you don't hear anywhere else. Uh, and I know you've prepared a few things and maybe we can have a little talk but uh, about this, but there's a lot of news going on. So again, Ogma, thanks for producing a great show and uh, let's do the news. Absolutely. Bonjour, Anin relatives. This is Ogama Ganuakwe. I am a citizen of the Red Lake Nation in northern Minnesota. I currently reside in central Minnesota, and I'm Bullhead Clan. I don't know if I've ever told anybody that on air, but I'm Bullhead Clan. Um, I've got some news for you here on Native Roots Radio. Um, and the first thing that I want to uh, talk about is I want to extend uh, the news of the grief of the police beating of Tyree Nichols. Uh, down in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, footage is supposed to be released as of 6 p.m. tonight. I have not yet seen the footage, but um, the police video is extremely graphic and viewer discretion is advised. The video shows five Memphis police officers beating 29-year-old 20, Tyree Nichols, and he died uh, three days later. Um, the beating has prompted murder charges against the five officers, um, but there's, again, outrage at the latest instance of uh, police brutality. Um, and Tyree Nichols' family members and their lawyers um, who saw the footage before it was publicly released said that the officers um, savagely beating uh, their their son or their relative um, who's a skateboarder and a FedEx worker and um, likened it to the infamous 1991 police beating of uh, Los Angeles motorist Rodney King, uh, which yeah. uh, if anybody remembers the early 90s, uh, that did spark uh, riots in Los Angeles, uh, just the same as George Floyd's death murder uh, sparked riots here in the Twin Cities. Um, all of those officers uh, were charged Thursday with the murder and other crimes in the killing of Nichols, um, who died three days after that confrontation. Um, and it was during a traffic stop on January uh, 7th. And this is just um, kind of hitting the mainstream news now um, in more detail now that the video is uh, being brought up. And uh, if you remember released. from... Yes, just and if you're, yeah, just released today. Sorry. And then if you remember from earlier, um, just last week or the week before, I think it was last week, my, my time is all kind of blurring together with a baby <laughs> in the house. But um, we, we talked about the police who uh, murdered a, an activist, an environmental activist and a mm. forest protector um, in uh, near Atlanta for Cop City, um, and that is uh, coming up too. Um, and this is the latest in a string of police deaths and I'm um I'm I'm deeply grieving uh with so many people in the country right now that this has happened again and again and again and um my my heart's and prayers are with those um who are continuing to grieve in these situations the same way that I think all of us are right Robert Yeah um you know these we got to believe the BIPOC people now because it's on camera. It's on, you know, we've been complaining about p police brutality for hundreds of years and now it's in living color. And, you know, if you remember the Rodney King uh, was somebody with a camcorder that just kind of pulled it out out of nowhere and started videotaping this beating. There was no uh, cameras on the police then and how how often has this happened how long has it been going on and um it's still happening even that even though it's on camera uh body cams absolutely and you know i just was speaking with a, a friend and a fellow colleague in the media movement uh today actually on a, on a brief meeting and i i said that i don't think that the police footage of the murder of george floyd uh would have been released uh, i think that the reason that people seen that george floyd was murdered was because that young woman chose to live stream it chose to record yeah. it and it's the same with rodney king and it, it appears from the footage um that's coming Good out point. um of tyree as well that you know, if the police are airing that footage, I always, you know, I wonder if this has been edited or, you know, they they had it for almost a whole month. It's now the 27th and uh, his death happened on the 10th and the beating happened on the 7th. You know, they've had it for 20 days. What have they been doing with that footage for 20 days? You know, I I, I have a hard time trusting uh, the institution that is police here in the United States when these things well, continue Ogum, to happen. Ogum, uh, in my understanding is that the parents brought the brought this back up 
Um, mm-hmm. The police did not um, say, "Hey, let's check out the body cam you know, footage." No, the parents made not. it. A, parents made it a big uh, issue, which um, was probably why it's taken so long for them to to release it. But what I've heard, and I haven't seen it, and I don't know if I want to see it, it's horrific. Yeah, and and that's where I'm at as well. As I just, I can't, I can't bring myself to do it. And um, you know, I have a I have a daughter who's ten. Um, and it, there's really not really a safe place for me to watch it without her, you know, seeing it. And I, I did my best to, um, cause she was so, so young when George Floyd was murdered, she was just eight. Um, I did my best to try to protect her from seeing some of that footage. But, um, when we, when we watched the case for, uh, the police officer who murdered him, um, we watched the case for him, um, she she couldn't help it. We were we were watching it on on live, and she had not seen the video before. And the way that it shook her, I'm yeah. I don't know. I I have mixed feelings about whether or not I'm going to watch it. I can imagine in my own head how how absolutely disgusting and awful it is. And I and I don't know that I'm going to be able to watch another one. Um, and and the way to not watch any more of these videos is to make it stop. So. If, if this is not something as an ally that you have been involved in in the past, I, every name that is added to this list is another reason for you to get involved, to talk to your legislators, to take to the streets with banners and signs and peacefully let our those in power know that we will not tolerate this anymore. Right. I mean, that there, there has to be more done, and I don't know what all that's going to be, but um, I'm— well. De, you know, defunding the police uh, got a bad rap for just mm-hmm. that term. Um, something has to happen when it comes to uh, training the police. I mean, uh, you become a, what is it, a six-month training? A lot of these yeah. guys are jacked up uh, from being in the service, and we all know that that's not always a good thing. And, um, you know, I really feel bad that Hutch... Uh, Sheriff Hutch uh, landed on some really rough times, and he was working on uh, mental health in the police department. And um, there's something that needs to be done similar to that, you know. Um, and I don't have the answer, Ogma. Yeah, I certainly don't have the answer either. But uh, defunding the police, just as a reminder to people, means funding more community support so that police are not on the scene of mental health crises, of things that they are absolutely not given enough training to handle um and again additional training for police uh longer schooling all of those things so um before we go robert i do have one quick piece of good news uh the interior department this week uh yesterday issued a 20-year mining moratorium for 225,000 acres of federal land in northeast minnesota it's now protected from a copper and nickel mine that is the boundary waters in this area I had to add some applause. Hey, uh, if you're listening to the show, thanks, Pina Gigi Ogama. I want to thank Lieutenant Governor for stopping in and also these two great guests, Jamie and uh, and uh, help me out here. Victoria McMillan. Thank you. Yes, it is Friday. Hey, if you're listening to the show, you are part of the resistance from Chief Plenty Coops. The ground in which we stand on a sacred ground is the blood of our ancestors. We need to resist, divest, join a group, run for office. We're still here. We're the seventh generation free. Leonard Peltier now.